and welcome back to the Public Eye Podcast, a six-part series of podcasts brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm your host, Sarah Travers, and throughout this series, I've been speaking to local entrepreneurs and business owners to try and learn more about how these companies have come to be. We'll be gaining insight into their growth and how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for any new episodes over the next six weeks and subscribe to stay up to date. So today's guest, I'm joined by Peter McCall, CEO of Pearly. Peter, you're very welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Thank you very much, sir. All good. Good. But before we begin, as usual, I'll give a little bit of background on Pearly. So what is Pearly? It provides shopping centre visitors with the ability to receive year-round discounts from multiple stores, to receive text messages from their favourite stores while they shop, and rewards for their loyalty, such as free parking and free hot drinks. What's not to like so far? Now, all of this is done through a VIP smart key fob, which shoppers simply have on their key rings. This means there's no app for shoppers to constantly have to update, check or take up memory on the shoppers' mobile phones. Parlay is simple. You can get discounts all year round, messages from your favourite shops and loyalty rewards simply by visiting your favourite shopping centre. Although... During 2020, that was more difficult than before. So lots to talk about, Peter. Um, first of all, I suppose the name, Pearly, what does it mean? Where did you get it? Yeah, so Pearly is actually the Irish word for pearls. And because we are essentially a data company at heart, we provide pearls of wisdom and hence the word Pearly. And it also actually ends in AI and there's a, an AI element in what we do. So it fitted perfectly with with what we're doing. So AI meaning artificial intelligence. intelligence. Okay, so we'll have to go right back because there's so much to discuss here and you really are um, a lesson in perseverance and resilience yourself. Um, the idea, it originated quite some time ago. So the original idea actually came about about 11 years ago. So it, it was an idea I had rattling about inside my head from my days in the hospitality industry when I used to own the brass monkey just around the corner here. And the original concept was, well, it was actually, I pinched it a little bit from a bar in Newcastle when I was on a stag do. And anybody who's been to a stag do in Newcastle will know this bar. And you go in, and if you buy four pints, you press a button, and it'll randomly allocate you either four pints free, three pints free, two pints free, or one pint free. And I always thought that was a brilliant idea, and this bar was always packed, so it was. So I thought, I'll I'll elaborate on this idea a bit more. And so the, the... basic concept of the original idea was that if you walk into the brass monkey and if you buy the starter the main course and the dessert you're guaranteed to get the starter free the main free the dessert free or the whole lot free and then so we went out sourced the company uh but actually raised a few pounds from family and friends as you say you always have to do in the first yeah. first row when you're starting off and uh without them what well, wouldn't be here now so it's, it's quite easy it was a 10 or 11 years ago like but They'll never forget that original money that got the whole ball mm. rolling here. So uh, when I got it developed, and the original concept was you walked in, you got that deal, you went up to the bar, pressed a, uh, an icon on a tablet, and it randomly allocated your reward. We quickly then expanded. We ended up doing butchers and clothes shops and hairdressers. We sold it to 60 companies in the first uh, three months. Everything was going great. And then we got on to invest in a propel program for global scalable businesses. And we quickly realised that we had one major problem. 
That was human beings. We couldn't get the staff to bring out the tablet, which seems very, very simple, but it's always one of those things that you think you've solved everything, the technology works great, customers love it, but we just couldn't get staff to do that one extra task that wasn't in their job description. Really? So they wouldn't yeah. come out and, and sell yeah. what you were offering? It was, just, it was just one extra wee thing that they're like, we don't get paid to do this, so... We're not uh, doing it. We're not doing it, yeah. So uh, when we were on the Propel programme, we got a, a mentor, Michael McQuillan, he was the... He, he was the founder of the street franchise, yeah. a lo- load of cafes all around Northern Ireland. And Michael thought this would be great within shopping centres. Same concept, let's say you spend £30 in the butter crane and you might win a free coffee at a cost or 10% off next or whatever it is. And to alleviate the human element, we say is we'll put it into touchscreen kiosks and put the kiosks into the middle of the shopping centre and the customers would just go up and uh, have a wee go on it. And then, so this this introduced this, the first pivot then which evolved into IDC Intel incentivized data capture so the shopping center says to us this would be even better if you could collect data so for your chance to win an iPad enter your details in here and then you'd be entered in the draw and you might win a free coffee at a cost and so on and so on and we we're driving footfall into stores and we we're collecting data it was great and then came the third pivot then because we first I first got wind of GDPR about five years ago and realised that that model wasn't going to work anymore. Data protection was everything. Yes, and it, it, nobody, it, it looks as top of everybody's priority now. Everybody's very aware of data protection and their own privacy and who has their data and what they're doing with it and all that sort of stuff. So I, I realised that that model wasn't going to work, but GDPR was two years away, but I knew look, now is the time to be looking for it. So... I spent about, I went around and I asked all our existing customers, we had a number of shopping centres here in Ireland, if they had a magic wand, what would they want? Uh, they said they would, they would like a, a GDPR compliant method of engaging with our customers, knowing who they are, where they go, how many times they visit, and all that stuff. So what eventually turned out to be purely. But it wasn't that simple. So, I Goodness th- me. So <laughs> really, I mean, you've been ahead of the of the curve, so to speak, all the time. Um, what do shoppers think of it? Again, we were lucky enough that we had a database uh, collected through a few of our, from our kiosks and stuff like that there. So every project we ever do or we ever do, we always ask our end users what they think about it first. So we asked shoppers, uh, which me- would you use an app? Would you like logging into Wi-Fi? What, what methods would you like? And then we we hadn't actually said a key fob then because we hadn't found the company that uh, could do it. So we had asked them all, but there was a majority... Uh, there was a big, big response saying they wouldn't like an app. Mm-hmm. And I'll go into this later about why people don't like, like apps. But we knew that they wanted something that would give them all year round discount and hundreds of stores, personalised text messages and rewarded for their loyalty. That was it. And on the flip side of that, give the shopping centres the data on who their customers are and when they visit and all that sort of stuff too. So they could personalise and give their shoppers a better shopping experience. So we've spent... So in, I spent about 12 months looking for the technology all around the world that we could be able to monitor people's movements and know where they are and send them the right messages and all that. And here's the whole Irish part of it. And I know my cousin, who now lives in uh, the Cayman Islands. Nice. And uh, he, he always was looking, he's always on to me, he wants a finder's fee. But I was out in his house one day and he was asking me what I was at and I was telling him, I'm, I'm sort of stuck, I'm looking for a technology that can do X, Y and Z. And he went, Ashley. 
What is your brother doing? And his <laughs> brother-in-law had just invested in the only company in the world that did exactly what we needed. I don't believe you. Yeah, uh, and they're based in South Africa. You're going like, what's the chances? <laughs> oh, it's always uh, the way in this yeah. country, isn't it? I so that's amazing. And yeah. you then discovered, right, that's exactly what we need. Uh, a week later, the CEO of the company flew in. I met him down Dublin Airport. And uh, that, was, that was four, four and a half years ago. And to be fair, I think there's a few questions further on in here about... Uh, any advice and it, like that was four and a half years ago and I remember sitting meeting them in the Maldron Hotel in, in Dublin and going we need something that we'll be able to give to shoppers and we'll, we'll know where they are and how long they spend we'll be able to send them messages based on where they are and all that sort of stuff yep 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 no problem we can do that it took them three years to get oh. it to do what what they said in that first meeting right. but uh, but to be and fair, how did you keep going through that? Were you employing people at that time? Yeah. Um, you know, how were you keeping the roof over the head? And you know, were you getting looks from the other half to say, "Do, do you think we should just still be persisting with this, Peter?" Hundred percent. Or words to nail, that effect. Yeah, yeah, you had to nail every one of them there. <laughs> right. So, yeah, we had employees and we had initial investors from the very beginning. I had my wife, I like working twelve hours. Like it's the same old cliche. You work. Everybody works very hard. For the business, when you, when you have your own business, you have no choice. Uh, but we we got on to. I remember I was in November around this time, about five years ago. It was at the very beginning, and uh, my wife had said, "Look, if, you, if this doesn't kick off by Christmas, you, you need to. Uh, we need to start thinking about something else." And mm-hmm. uh, around this time, five years, about a week later, I got on to an accelerator program in London called Collider. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very, there's over 400 companies applied for it and we were down, there was eight of us chosen. We ended up being one of the top two companies at the end of it. And they gave us our initial investment and that kept us going for the last six months. And then because we were one of the top two companies, they gave us another round of investment. And then... And what did that <coughs> mean to you just to have, you know, because maybe you'd kind of exhausted things in, in Northern Ireland or on the island of Ireland at this stage, but, you know, to go away and somebody still see this vision and belief yeah. in you yeah. and what you were doing I, I've often found and you know I've spoke about this in the past that it's often hard to be a prophet in your own town or country or region and uh, I think a lot of people maybe don't take you as serious as, uh, as people further away which has transpired in our business now we're, we're now dealing with the biggest company in Portugal but uh, yeah it was and the guys in London these were companies backed by uh, Unilever. One of our investors is Steve Paris, who owns Crystal Palace Football Club, and all these guys from IBM. These were like top, top, top guys. And hearing from them that they believed, as you say, in what we did was was a huge pat on the back and a huge vote of confidence. But at that, that was at the early stage where we had the technology, and, and we were presenting what would eventually turn out to be what, where we are now. But I think the technology we use so is is patented RFID technology. In some ways, the world's best RFID it was invented by the guy who invented Bluetooth, oh. or the front runner of Bluetooth. Wow! And when you're dealing with world class and world leading technology, it just doesn't happen overnight. And that's why it was. It was a three. It was a painful three years. But how we kept going was. We kept raising money, but we kept seeing progression and we were getting closer and we were getting closer. And in the interim period of those three years, we bought every other competing technology that was in the market and uh, realised that, look, it gets nowhere near what this stuff does. So it was just, it really was a a tricky three years of trying to hang in there until we got to that point where we now have 
essentially the world's best RFID technology. It is incredible, really. And it is the fact that you hung in there and, you know, you've got that pressure, you know, that family and friends have invested in you too. And it's that kind of like, how do I hold my head up here and, and keep going? I'm believing in this. There, You know, yeah. this is not just a, a pipe dream. It's going to happen. This podcast is sponsored by Granite Legal Services, a niche business and immigration law practice located in the heart of Newry City. Granite Legal Services provides legal advice to both individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries, from employment, commercial or corporate law matters to immigration law. Granite Legal Services focuses on providing legally sound, practical advice to its clients. To get in touch, visit www.granitelegalservices.co.uk or email us at inquiries at granitelegalservices.co.uk today. But then the world or the universe provides, I always think <laughs> the universe provides eventually. So suddenly data protection becomes a thing. Suddenly um, people want to know everything about their shopper. It's all about the shopping experience in retail. Um and suddenly they were ready for what you were offering. So what happened next? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it sounds like it was progressing so well for us. But to be fair, and again, look, I suppose this podcast is all about starting businesses and yeah. advice and stuff like that there. I went out into the market and the big mistake I made, and I'd say it's the biggest mistake anybody can make in, in business was, I didn't know the market better than our customers. So I was going out and I was going into meetings and I was pitching. And I, ju I just wasn't confident because I, I, I knew I didn't know, I didn't understand our customers as much as I should have. And which I do now. And I realise now that I, I probably burnt a lot of bridges locally in Northern Ireland because I'm probably going, like, you and I have spoken about this in the past too, probably going, who's that agent from Newry was in here trying to pitch us something? Whereas now I have the confidence to go in and go, look, all these other things do not work, and here's the reason why they do not work. Here we have over near, nearly thirty thousand people carrying our our smart key fobs, and uh, so I made a lot of mistakes in the first year, year and a half. When, when you say you didn't know your customer, what do you mean? What did you not know? So I, I was going to end. Up, I, I think it was a mixture of not knowing the customer and making it all about us. Okay. So I would have in and I'd go, look, this this is what we do and this is how brilliant we are. You, and need, are, you need us. Yes, <laughs> rather than, look, you tell me your problems and your challenges and if I can help you, I'd love to help you. And, and, and that's essentially at the core of sales because sales isn't really sales, it's customer service. So you're really there to try and help somebody. And in the first year and a half, I was just overwhelmed that we've got this forum, we have the world's best technology and you should be happy that I'm sitting in front of you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and then I, you, I know that you need it, but they didn't know that they needed it. The thing is, yes. though, eventually they did need something that you had to offer, but you had had the investment, you'd won the awards, you'd um, proven it in, in other places. And then, as I said, the universe provides and then the universe can take away. So suddenly we're hit with a pandemic and people can't go freely in and out of, of shopping centres and the future of retail at the minute. Well, who knows? You tell me. Retail is a lot of cliches. I actually heard a good one yesterday, but I'm sick of hearing people within retail saying the same things, that everything is sped up. It has. There's no doubt about it. I heard a, a good saying yesterday where COVID affects the most at-risk people, people that the elderly people are with sort of underlying conditions and something like that. 
and retail is very much a say COVID is it is affecting those who had underlying issues so the likes of the BHS and the top shops and the Arcadia group and stuff who had underlying issues well before COVID came and COVID was just the death nail in the thing so but in seeing that there on the flip side of that COVID provides a huge opportunity for small and local businesses so all these small local businesses here in Newry for example were Thousands of people were leaving Uri, going to Belfast and Dublin every day to go and, uh, and work in these massive companies. They're now working from home. So these small small and medium-sized businesses need to begin targeting those customers who are no longer leaving to uh, to work outside in the, in the bigger cities. And so that actually their customer base has grown. So there is definitely 100% opportunities with this pandemic, although it's it's very hard to see at the minute. Like, But uh, there is... if if retailers can can make it through the other side and and obviously hugely important for retailers now is to manage the amount of people coming in and out of their premises um they can't have everybody just together so you know purely suddenly there's a real need there and and you definitely know that shopping centers need your product and they're listening all over the world at the minute you're getting orders from everywhere tell us where you've gone yeah so during the, the initial stages of lockdown, then we sat down with our, our our Ulster Bank mentor and sat down going, is there anything else we can provide here? So we ended up uh, brainstorming and come up with uh, an online booking feature where our VIPs can go into their account, select which shops they want to go to, book a time slot that suits them, arrive up, no need to queue, and just walk straight in, meaning they can shop in a... Uh, a safe, a safe manner, knowing that they don't have to stand in crowds, but also on the flip side, that the retailers then know in advance how many shoppers are going to actually be visiting them. They can manage the amount of staff that they need, and again, it's just keeping their staff and their customers' health and safety in mind. And it's just a no-brainer. So, on the back of that, there we've actually, I think I mentioned at the start of this year. So we we recently signed a contract with a company called Sony Sierra, the biggest retail company in Portugal, five billion turnover, and. Yeah, things are things are going well. So while it's sort of postponed because a lot of our the retailers are closed, we see twenty twenty one is going to be a huge huge year for us within retail. But also during lockdown, then uh, because we our business was essentially paused because retail was closed in a lot of a lot of the time, we we end up pivoting into a number of other sectors. So we were approached by a couple of other different companies going. Good. Uh, could you monitor security and cleaning staff around factories? And also now we're we're in discussions with some of the biggest companies in the world, the biggest factory companies in the world, like Smurfit, Kingspan, massive, massive companies about monitoring staff. So we can do time and attendance. We know when people arrive and when they leave. We can do evacuation process. Like if you if you imagine Norbert close to here, for example, they'd be evacuating a, a uh, one of the factories and be 500 people out in the yard and they'd have to literally go around and see who's there three people missing where are they they could have to send people back in to get them whereas with our solution we know where everybody's out if they're not out where they are if people are in refrigerated areas for they're only supposed to be in for an hour we can send an alert to their managers mickey's been in there for over an hour you better go and check on him see if he's still breathing or whatever <laughs> but uh yeah so COVID has had its challenges, it has its opportunities, and it's definitely opened up new doors for us. As, as I say, the solution we have, we've always known that we could go into different avenues, but before COVID, we are focusing on retail, retail, and retail. But it has given us the opportunity to branch out into other markets because 
our technology is is the most accurate, the best RFID technology in the world. What about the makeup of the business? Do you need many employees to deliver? What do you deliver? No, again, like funny, we have that much business on the table now. We're working with one of the UK's largest charities. We're, we're working with one of the, with the world's largest um, drink brands. I forgot to mention that. I'll talk to you about that. <laughs> uh, you can't tell me all these names. You're uh, teasing. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we're working with some of the biggest companies in the world. And our, our RBS, our, bank, our Ulster Bank mentor always goes, well, how are you going to fulfil these things? But, again, that's one of the USPs of what we do. It's very easy to roll out what we do. So the, the little readers that we install are simply plug and play. Anybody can do them. And then we just supply people with our smart IDs or smart fobs. And the system itself is all fully automated. So it's very, very, very easy for us to scale on a global scale and remain, remain Ireland. So. so many have you got on the books? Five. Wow! So, no, there's a, there's a famous saying: "They say, look, if you if you can feed everybody with one pizza, that's your your team's big enough." But <laughs> uh, so we we've actually found that the whole work from home scenario, we're, we're a whole lot more productive. We we have our tea breaks every day at half three and half ten, just to keep the sort of social impact of it going. Because some of our guys, they're young guys, they're stuck in their bedroom for frigging mm-hmm. a week, and they don't get out. And other guys are sort of living their own and just. You need. We've become closer as a team and a lot more productive. And then, when you're talking to friends and family, um, do they understand what you've achieved now? Yes, eventually. I suppose like everybody are very close with my dad. But during lockdown, uh, my dad would come with me even before lockdown. My dad, I, he's retired now. I take him if I'm going to an appointment in Dublin. I take him on my first spin, or even if I'm going to England, he would come to me over to London and all. And so he's sort of. I, my dad was a bricklayer all his life, a brilliant bricklayer, and so just not used to this type of scenario at all. And he's now all excited and buzzing about it and all going, well, how's that project going? How's this project going? He, you know, yes, they eventually, but look, I would like to think they understand I've been at it 10 or 11 years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's very proud indeed, as yeah. I'm sure all of them um, are. And, you know, they're they're starting to see some return in the investment. It, it is working. Um What's the you, you talked about some mistakes that you've made early on, but what's the best bit of advice that you would give to anyone who has a dream or knows that they have something that will be needed? Um, how would you say, what's the best bit of advice? You talked a lot about getting mentored, and yeah. is that is that crucial? Well, it all depends on each individual person's abilities, really. I think I, maybe I'm a prime example of starting from the rock, bottom although I, I, I owned the brass monkey for a number of years getting into a technology business I literally hadn't a clue and I remember, I remember the very beginning doing the whole Dealtronic thing and the software kept breaking I, I remember just thinking my dad's a bricklayer when he builds a house it doesn't fall down if you're building software why does it keep breaking but I quickly realized it doesn't matter what company you could be Apple or Microsoft software breaks doesn't matter what what size of company it is so I think it's it's just not being afraid to start at the bottom, but as you quite rightly mentioned there, it's having the right people around you and not being afraid to ask for help. Uh, like I have a, had a lot of good mentors throughout this whole 10 years, even just from my mate Jim Finnegan who had, had uh, JMC Mobile and Motion, and he's owning another business, and then I had Michael McQuillan in 
shouldn't have started this because I know I'll miss out somebody. Yeah, <laughs> I know. That's the danger, isn't it? Yeah, so through RBS and then obviously through the collider and then we had a lot of investors through the collider thing. So a lot of them are good mentors. And, uh, and then it's yeah. knowing who to listen to. Yes, that's Because I'm true. sure everybody has something to say. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> yes, definitely, 100%. But yeah, it's finding the right people and the people that you get the most value. And, and again, it's just... It's a cliche. Everybody says your your whole your net worth is your net your network is your net worth or something like that. But it really, is true. Like so, like funny. I had a phone call the other day with a guy I hadn't spoke to in thirty years, and he's a director of one of the biggest companies in Europe. And I'm meeting him next Saturday, next door here in Finnegan's actually. But uh, and it's it's relying on your network, but growing your network and sort of and again never forget. What's that I'll say in about sort of going up? Because you never know who you'll meet going down. That's right. You have to be nice to everyone. Yeah, be nice meet. to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully your 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 trajectory is still going the right way. You're not coming down yet, Peter. I think there's much more to come for Pearlie. And I suppose anybody listening to this, um, you wonder: is this a good time to start a business? Is it a good time to um, you know follow your entre- entrepreneurial spirit? But actually, there are so many problems in the world yeah. right now. There's never been a better time to find people who are good with solutions and problem solving. Yeah, 100%. There's never a bad time to start a business but there's plenty of bad reasons to start a business. I think for it to be to continue and to be a success I think you need to be starting a business for the right reasons. It's not to get rich or it's not to be successful. It's having that passion about the problem that you're looking to solve. So we're looking to at the minute, so we are looking to give shoppers the most personalised shopping experience, but being GDPR compliant and so much as they can control all the data they have, but so I know everything about our market and I know I, I know what customers want, I know what shoppers want, and I know how to grow the company. But if you don't, if you're not passionate about what you're doing, it's going to make everything so so much difficult. And you need that passion for the perseverance. As I say, ten years I'm at this now. It's only now we're seeing the light. Uh, Perseverance, passion. Is it going to be a family business? Would you see your children following in your footsteps? <laughs> uh-huh, I don't one. know. I don't know. I have two girls now, and to be fair, my oldest girl is uh, is asking more often now. What are you doing today, Daddy? What are you doing? It's probably because I'm working from home, like. But uh, yeah, I have two very intelligent daughters. So I'd say could, could, but uh, we'll see. Look, at the end of the day, as long as your children are happy. So, what's next for you now? So as I say, we have a lot of lot of projects on the go. So we're doing facilities management, we're doing factories, we're doing charities, we're doing drinking uh, large drink brand, and we're doing the the biggest retail company in Portugal. So two thousand twenty one is going to be an extremely extremely busy year for us, uh, and it's just about growing growing the team, growing the business, growing the brand, growing. Uh, we have partners. We have, we have partners currently. We have partners in Brazil, UAE, South Africa. And Australia and the UK, so it's just about keeping the momentum going, which we have no problem doing. It's now we're at that exciting part where I wouldn't far from made it, like, but we've proved ourselves, and we know we have the best product in the world, and we know that there's a market, and we know that there's interest from the biggest companies in the world. So it's keeping that team, keeping the team all focused and rowing in the same direction, mm. and keep enjoying it because we are all enjoying it. Eventually. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
It yeah. sounds like the world is your oyster or your pearly within yeah. that oyster. Yeah. Boom, boom. Thank you so much, Peter, and have a great 2021. Thanks for joining me today. And thank you for joining us at home or wherever you are, folks. You can join me on the next episode. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for all new episodes over the next six weeks and subscribe to stay up to date. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.